Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does it mean to be locally owned and operated? For Cenex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped Little Leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Cenex with a full tank, full of snacks, or full of smiles. Or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Cenex. Powered locally. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. Changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I hope that you have a short memory. Uh, Nobody wants to remember what unfolded on Monday night. Luckily for us, it's a short week, and we don't really have a ton of time to dwell. Instead, it's time to move forward. I'm Rose Swildewitt, and I'm glad that you're tuning in to our Week 8 preview as we're kicking it off to meet the New Orleans Saints here on Tuesday afternoon. I have my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, on hand. The both of us, we are joined by a very special guest, Ross Jackson, he's the editor over at Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, That is the Saints SB Nation site for those keeping score at home. And he's also the host of Locked on Saints, amongst a million other things, I swear. Really awesome to have Ross Jackson on the show. Ross, pleasure to have you on. How are you holding up in all things 2020? Uh, Well, you know, I mean, it's one of those things to where the the little victories are big victories, right? So I'm here. I'm happy. My family's healthy. I couldn't ask for more than that. And I get to... You know, do what I love and uh, talk football for a living still, which is fantastic. You know, we were able to get into this season and then I get to do uh, some fun things like this to be able to join great guys like yourselves to be able to uh, be right along the ride. So I appreciate y'all having me here, man. And I hope the same for you guys. I hope y'all are holding up all right. Oh, trying our best, right? I mean, that's all we can do <laughs> right now. And uh, I appreciate your kind words. And uh, Nick and I, you know, we're hopeful that one day we can make a living doing a show like this. Uh, right now, it's still kind of our keep it side going, man. Gig. Yeah, right. Exactly. Got to <laughs> keep it going. This is episode 500, I think, and 12. I haven't counted Ooh, it up. But congratulations, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's thank been, you. Uh, yeah. It's been a lot of uh, consistency over the years and uh, excited to have someone like yourself on, Ross. And I want to begin... Uh, with that Saints offense. They're scoring over Mm -hmm. 30 points per game, uh, only actually held under 30 points twice all season, including Sunday's win under the Panthers. And this is without Michael Thomas. He's been dealing with some injuries Mm -hmm. this season. So my question to you, just to kind of kick things off, is how have the Saints been able to like overcome missing out on such a big-time, consistent playmaker like Thomas and really just kind of it feels like they're they're humming, not skipping a beat. Uh, How are they able to do that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it, you have to point back to Sean Payton and Drew Brees at all times. Uh, and certainly Alvin Kamara helps. Alvin Kamara right now averaging over 130 scrimmage yards per game so far. He scored in his first few, scored uh, seven touchdowns over the course of his first uh, few games here and all. And I think it's two games in a row now that he hasn't scored, but he still put up over 140 all-purpose yards in both of those contests. So I think that, you know, that that's a big part of it. Uh, you're you're watching the, the hidden yardage game come into play at certain points as well. They've had a really nice return game, even when Deontay Harris, who's their all-pro all pro punt returner, excuse me, uh, even when he was out against the Chargers, they're able to swing in undrafted free agent rookie Marquez Calloway into that role. So they were able to start drives at, you know, the 35, 30-yard line. It, it feels small, but that hidden yardage difference makes a big difference. They have a great punter in Thomas Morstead, who was a little bit shaky early on in the season, but has righted the ship as so many other things have so far over the course of the season for many NFL teams dealing without a, a you know, an offense, uh, excuse me, uh, dealing without a, uh, a preseason and without full training camp and all those stuff. So I think that that's a big part of it, but you have to point back to Drew Brees. You have to point back to Sean Payton. They've done a really great job, even without Michael Thomas. And last week, also without Emmanuel Sanders as well, in their win against the Carolina Panthers, just having the scheme to get guys open and Drew Brees having the wherewithal to still be able to push that ball down the field, not necessarily push the ball down the field, but move the ball meticulously down the field the way that he so often does and has over these last few years. I think that that's where you really have to have to point to this team. They're, they're maintaining success there. And of course, they have a steady offensive line in front of them that helps them do it. How important do you think that long-standing relationship between Peyton and Breeze is in terms of having a season like they're having, uh, being down a couple of guys? And we'll talk about uh, Kamara in a minute because he as mm -hmm. well is having a really strong start to his year, but you don't see it too often in the NFL with a head coach and a quarterback being yeah. able to work together as long as these two have. Uh, how big do you think that is, That just uh, the familiarity? Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Yeah, I think I think that's the word, really, familiarity, and I'll throw trust into it too. I mean, th these guys have a system between the two of them. You know, Drew Brees walks into Sean Payton's office at the end of each week, saying, "These are, you know, a hundred something. You know, here's you know a few plays that I want to make sure that we have for the uh, playbook over the course of the next couple of weeks." And then they help to develop their offensive game plan together. You know, they they do that. You know. One, you know with one another throughout the entire week and and you can certainly see moments to where that comes into play sean payton is the primary play caller but there are times where drew Brees takes over such as in two minute drills and right now the two minute drills at the ends of halves the saints right now have already scored four touchdowns in the final minute of the first half so far this season so you're seeing them really do that that's been a part of what has jump started their offense after some sloppy or slow starts so far this year as well and i think that that's the big thing i mean you look at the trust you look at the communication between the two of them familiarity as you mentioned and then the fact that they're able to develop game plans together that maximize other players you you look at like let's say the the new england patriots where they're specifically selecting players that fit within the specific role that they want set that person to play on the offense or on the defense the saints don't necessarily do that they make sure that they have the role available to them but then they'll cater that role to whatever their strengths or to avoid whatever their weaknesses may be and i think that that is something that helps them really trust one another and that builds trust amongst the team because you're never really asking somebody to do something that they're not 
you know, naturally able to do or that isn't within their natural skill set. You know, Ross, that's uh, obviously I wish the Bears, the Bears probably wish they had that that kind of connection between their head coach and quarterbacks right now. But uh, you were mentioning talking about Drew Brees. And I know at one point during this, this crazy 2020 NFL season where it seemed as if the sky was falling, like Drew Brees wasn't the same guy, but it seems like as of right now, he's kind of, I, I guess, found himself in a way. I just want to know, what is your assessment been for Drew Brees this season? Is he the same guy or is he a little different? He's the same guy, man. It, it, you know, it, it's just been, you know, the thing that was so bothersome early on in the season, there were so many people talking about Drew Brees not being able to push the ball down the field. Drew Brees has not pushed the ball down the field since like 2015. Like that is not new to the Saints offense. That is not new to their system, right? The system is built and predicated around attacking the short and intermediate areas of the field. The West Coast quick play, quick draw, quick fire offense. That's what they do. And so that was never really the biggest issue. But when you look at the Tampa Bay game, the Las Vegas uh, Raiders game as well, those games you saw Drew Brees struggling and elements of the game where he usually excels. The accuracy was down. Ball placement wasn't great. Timing was off. Communication was weird. Trust wasn't there with the weapons. There's a lot of things that you usually never have to question about the Saints offense that all of a sudden you're having to question. So for me, that is what was most concerning and then they lose drew um, they lose uh, michael thomas after the first week to the high ankle sprain and then i kind of went oh no here we go because if the if the communication wasn't there with michael thomas then it's not going to be there with traquan smith and deontay harris and emmanuel sanders and so it took some time for them to sort of get used to the fact that traquan smith is all of a sudden running routes instead of being you know in the slot or operating as an f guy he's running routes as an x guy so he's out there on the weak side you have you know emmanuel sanders who's operating within the slot as well as on the outside and the you have the flanker position over on the z side but then you're having to move them around and so then emmanuel sanders goes down like there's all of these things but what drew Brees has done time and time again is that the first two games he struggled Games three and four, he kind of starts to right the ship a bit. And then after that, he hits his rhythm in October. It's one of the reasons why the Saints are one of the, you know, have one of the highest winning percentages in the month of October. It's because they're all they've always been that team, particularly since 2014, certainly since 2006 when he joined. And so I think that that's a, a big part. They get out of another October here with no losses, a, a perfect October yet again. And then now they move into November where hopefully Drew Brees can continue to stack on that and continue to, to build. I think that that's the most important part. It's not necessarily getting stuck on focusing where he was at the very beginning of the season, but acknowledging the growth and, and the things that have fixed so far as the season has gone along. Oh, thank God the calendar strikes November 1st for us. Uh, I don't want to have to deal with that October magic that you are um, expressing that is happening down near New Orleans. Uh, you talked about it. Emmanuel Sanders, uh, he was put on the reserve COVID list. So you didn't have him last mm-hmm. week, and it's iffy if he's going to play this Sunday as well. Looking at guys like right. uh, Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, what do they bring to the table? I mean, they're getting decent production out of this offense is that more on breeze knowing how to utilize these playmakers as well as sean payton or is there maybe something here with some of these younger receivers I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, Traquan Smith certainly has been in the system now. This is his third year. So you know what he does well and what he doesn't do well. He's a fantastic blocker. He's great in the run game. He also helps out in terms of pass protection. They'll line him up in line sometimes and have him chip the way that you would do with a tight end. And they'll have, you know, what what would essentially be right now their starting wide receiver run pass sets like that. Uh, But then he's also somebody that's going to get you tough, contested physical catches as well. You can rely on him over the, the middle of the field. And he's somebody that, you know, if he's left wide open, he's going to come down with the ball. It's not a 
no, no, no offense, but it's not a Ted Ginn Jr. situation, which is what they were dealing with over the course of the last couple of years, right? Like he came in in 2017 and was fantastic for them, caught, I think it was 72% of his passes or something like that. And then after that, he just became extremely unreliable. Injuries played, played a role into that as well, to be fair. And so, you know, you have a little bit more of a shorthanded guy when it comes to Traquan Smith. Marquez Callaway is somebody that came into the NFL out of the out of Tennessee, the volunteers who's averaging over 20 yards per catch his senior season there. He was a deep threat. And, and now the Saints have found out, found a way to get him and scheme him open to where he finds pockets and zones, particularly in cover three, which I know that the Bears will run not as often as they run single high safety, but they will run some cover three uh, throughout. I think it's like 18 percent that they'll do that. And so I think that that's a big uh, focus for them is how it is that Marquez Callaway is somebody that's really developed and progressed very quickly into somebody that's not just going to be, hey, go out there and run a nine route and we'll see if we can get you the ball. He's somebody that can be a factor in the short and intermediate areas of the field by taking advantage of pockets and zone defense and winning at some of these crossing routes in man coverage, which is a big thing that predicates for the Saints offense as well. Now for Alvin Kamara, and we can look into the backfield, although I know he's your leading receiver as well. So he's huge mm-hmm. in the passing game. Uh, he leads the NFL in total scrimmage yards with 824, about 137 per game. Teams, they're trying to contain him. Uh, they're just not really successful of doing so. And I'm curious your take of how the Saints have been able to just consistently gash defenses with him this season. Um, as a Bears fan, watching what happened on Monday night, uh, this is going to be an obvious concern for me heading into the week. So uh, yeah. you don't need to make me feel good at all. You can really just strike some fear <laughs> into me about uh, what Kamara may be able to do come Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. You know, the, the Saints playing a Sunday game, the Bears playing a Monday night game meant that the Saints were all at home watching that Monday night game. And I know Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray are ready. For this week and of course Latavius Murray had a fantastic game against Chicago in Chicago last year when the Saints mm-hmm. were down Alvin Kamara as well as a couple of other weapons including Drew Brees and so now you have Drew Brees and a potential very good running game plan for the Saints to come in and you have uh, a system really that if Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders don't play it, it doesn't tip any hat it doesn't tip the hand at all in terms of whether or not they're running based upon what it is that they're doing in terms of their wide receiver alignment and the personnel package because both Marquez Callaway and Trey Quan Smith are fantastic blockers in the run game and then they've run a lot of heavy personnel sets as well to running backs to tight ends a little bit more of the Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara relationship so far this season for Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara than what we saw last year and so I think that that's a big part of what it is that helps them is that they're able to utilize these guys out of just about any personnel package and any personnel personnel grouping so they'll end up coming out there with let's say 12 personnel to where they're stacking up on the inside and they have both tight ends in line and tight on the offensive line sort of an ace package with a single back in the backfield whether it's Latavius Murray Robin Kamara and then once that box starts to get loaded then they'll just throw out of that same formation because you have these tight ends that can also get down the field down seam routes and catch and then once the box lightens up they'll come back and then they'll try to gash at the uh at the run game again you also see them use michael burton in that situation as well it's where they'll bring michael burton in who's their fullback they don't really designate it as fullback anymore they just designate it as an f position so him and josh hill both split that role and so they'll have a two-back system with the fullback back there but then they'll motion michael burton out wide to take a linebacker out of the box if they see man coverage and then they'll run against the lighter box that way and so it has been a lot of scheming but also alvin Kamara is just simply inhuman sometimes when he has the ball in his hands man like there's only so much that i can say about the scheme that's great don't get me wrong but some of it is just a natural athleticism and natural like contact balance and ability of alvin kamara and what he can do and uh you know they have a good advantage now with latavius murray having him added who always falls forward 
and he's six foot. So he falls forward and he gains you an additional two yards, you know, so he can take a, a three yard gain to a five yard gain just by falling over. And I think that that's something that also benefits the Saints winning on those early first and second downs. Yeah, no, Kamara seems like he's having a lot of fun. Uh, which, again, mm-hmm. strikes a little bit of fear. Uh, whenever you have a player of his caliber <laughs> enjoying his season, uh, even like this, the plays that pick up you know four yards in a first down, he looks like he's like thriving off of those. And right. uh, that's not boding well, uh, probably for us this, this week. Nick, any other questions for Ross uh, about this Saints offense? You know what, Ross, we've been talking about the Saints offense. It has, it's going to pose a lot of problems for the Bears defense, but has there been maybe... How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Achilles heel or something where you don't look at the box sheet and you just don't mm-hmm. notice like a, a problem with it other I know you were talking about maybe Drew Brees early on missing those plays that he usually doesn't with the accuracy and things like that but has there been any other issues with this Saints offense that Bears fans should know about yeah I think that that's something to definitely be to, to, to keep an eye on is Drew Brees's ball placement and accuracy for sure if, if he's not completing and if this team isn't communicating the way that they need to then they're going to have a lot of trouble and particularly playing on the road and outdoors there's potential for that right that there's potential that that could all of a sudden become an issue if the Saints aren't able to run the ball against the Chicago front if Chicago can limit the run game then that might put New Orleans in a bit of a uh, shady situation if there's any issues with communication, ball placement, accuracy, timing, things like that that you usually see Drew Brees excel in. The one thing that I would say is keep an eye out on the left tackle position for the Saints this uh, this week because Teron Armstead ended up, he, he played this game hurt. He already had a hand injury that had him questionable for the game or should have should have had him questionable for the game. Uh, and they ended up playing him and then he played about 13 snaps and then had to leave the game. And James Hurst came in, who is a veteran tackle in the NFL and has played, you know, with the uh, Baltimore Ravens, for instance, he's played all along the offensive line. However, He's not the same. He's not Teron Armstead. And when Teron Armstead is healthy, he's one of the best tackles in the league. So that's a blindside guy for Drew Brees against a fierce pass rush in Chicago. So that would be another area to watch for sure. That and, of course, the interior offensive line where the Saints are starting a rookie in Cesar Ruiz who missed 21 days of training camp, which was like most of training camp. And so I think that that would be another thing to watch out for is if they can generate any type of interior pressure, which would cause the Saints to use some of those running backs instead of being able to scheme up opportunities for the run game. They'd have to commit some of those running backs to blocking. Ross, who do you think has the edge between the Saints on third down on offense, best in the NFL, well, with the Bears mm. third down defense, which is, I think, top three after this week, somewhere up there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Um, I would maybe give the Saints a little bit of an edge because they have been able to rely on the run game on third and short. So I'll give the Saints a bit of an edge because they've they've shown that they can win on first and second down to put them in advantageous positions to win that third down and, and continue uh, their third down conversion rate. They converted 12 of 14 in their last game against the uh, Carolina Panthers, which was really, really fantastic. Uh, and so I think that that would be the other thing to just keep an eye out on is, is how can they set themselves up so that those third downs are manageable to where they do have their full playbook at disposal as opposed to third and long situations. So it, it really comes down to who wins on first and second in terms of who I give the edge on third. I think that's a fair assessment. That's why I bring you on here for the, those fair takes. Now, Ross, we'll switch over <laughs> to 
uh, that New Orleans defense uh, through seven games. I'm curious in how you would assess the play from it. Uh, they're allowing the seventh least amount of yards per game, um, but they do find themselves with the fourth worst mark on third down, and they're also below average in points allowed. It's a really interesting combination. You know, not a lot of yards, but giving up more points than most. Does that just make them average? Uh, I would say bad. I mean, <laughs> if okay. I'm being really honest, Great. like, I, and, and it comes down, it comes down to the secondary for me. The secondary play has been terrible. And when you look at the, when you look at those yards allowed, it doesn't account for over 300 penalty yards that they've also given up on the defensive side. I think it's like 360 something, if I remember correctly. I'll say 350 plus. Uh, okay. But that's a, that's been a big part of of why the yardage is so low but the conversion rate is so high and the point rate is so high in terms of what they're giving up over on the defensive side. So I think that it it really comes down to, they have a couple of lifebloods that they have to be able to live by, which is uh, a pass rush that can be effective until the fourth quarter and, and, and down to 60 minutes. And, you know, even if they're not effective early on, I always talk about how, um, you know, I I'll take a third down sack in the fourth quarter over three sacks in the first quarter on first and second down. You know what I mean? I'll take the situational sack over over just any you know given sack at any given play. And so I think that that is something that would help them stay alive. But for the most part, when it comes down to the pass rush for the Saints and, and for the defense of the Saints, it's it's concerning, to, to say the least. Uh, Coach Payton was asked during a, a teleconference the other day, is it? Uh, you know, are you when it comes down to the secondary, are you is there a lot of concern or are you not so worried? And his response was, well, no, it's a little bit. It's 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 certainly more over to the uh, a very concerned side of that spectrum and stuff. And so even even he's acknowledged that the secondary play as well, which we've gotten a very transparent Sean Payton over the last year or so. Um, he's really somebody that is willing to call out his players and say, this is where we're slacking right now. And the secondary is definitely the biggest concern. Now, I know that secondary, you guys are allowing a pass rating over 111 on the year, which is the third highest in the NFL. Uh, 77% of uh, touchdowns scored against that defense come through the year. That's the highest Mm -hmm. mark of any other defense in the NFL. I know you said the secondary is a concern. Is there someone in it that concerns you more than the others or a couple? Well, it's interesting. It, it really, the way that I look at it is that, unfortunately, it's more of a silver lining situation, which means that there's only really one positive uh, in the secondary right now, and and that's Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins has been outstanding so far at the cornerback two position, and of course, you would figure that the Saints, who have struggled to find a cornerback two over the last few years, who have had sort of the lockdown Lattimore persona over as the CB1 for since 2017 when he was drafted, now that they get a, a sufficient, better than sufficient uh, cornerback two, Marshawn Lattimore is allowing a passer rating over 155. And up until this game against the Carolina Panthers, he was allowing a perfect passer rating when targeted at 158.3. And so it has been a, a big struggle really across the secondary. Malcolm Jenkins has been a liability on some plays. Marcus Williams has been a liability. Marshawn Lattimore really the most positive plays that you're going to find for the Saints defense so far have come to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson making good plays near the line of scrimmage from the nickel spot and then Janoris Jenkins with his overall coverage. Nick, what do you want to learn more about this defense? Well, Will, I think with all the Bears' problems on the offensive side, even with right? if the, the Saints have problems on, on defense, it doesn't seem like the Bears can take advantage of. But I do want to ask about maybe the pass rush because that gave mm-hmm. the Bears' offensive line a ton of problems. Who's been a standout? Who's somebody that maybe during this game on Sunday could take advantage of You know, just all the issues that the Bears have on their offensive line? What are some of the guys that you're looking at to have big games on Sunday? 
Yeah, I'd say that there are three players in particular that could use a bit of a good game here, uh, and that would be uh, Cam Jordan, who has had a slow start to the season. He's been recovering from adductor surgery over the offseason and everything, and there just comes a point in the rehab process where the only thing you could do is go out there and find out how you play with it. And so that's what he's he's ended up having to do is figure out how to play through his recovery at this point. Sheldon Rankins has come back from his, uh, I'll call it an ankle injury. It was Achilles related, but it was more about a, uh, it's actually a, a birth defect that ended up causing him some issues. And so they ended up having to remove that. So he's in a much better place now, but he's still trying to get back in the rhythm. And then Marcus Davenport would be the third who has come back uh, just two games ago, has played just over 20 snaps, 20 snaps first game, I believe it was 23 snaps the last game and has been a humongous uh, boost to the Saints defense even just in a limited pass rusher rotational role so far as they're trying to sort of pitch count him and make sure that he's healthy when he comes back. He's been pretty fragile since he uh, since he joined in New Orleans and the Saints traded up to grab him. So they're being a little bit cautious with them. But I think one of the biggest things is going to be that the Saints, they don't win double teams this season. But I also know that Matt Nagy, one of the things that he struggles with is scheming an offensive line that allows for double teams. We certainly saw that Monday night with Aaron Donald and, you know, one-on-one situations with a seven-step drop back for Nick Foles. Not great when you have Aaron Donald right up the middle, right? So for the Saints, they'll need to take advantage of winning those situations, take advantage of the fact that, and and ideally, hopefully for the Saints, uh, the Bears don't wise up and make the adjustment to start chipping uh, brushes off the edge and and devoting those extra blockers to certain situations because then it'll put them in a more advantageous situation to have that good good game that I'm hoping that they're going to be able to have against Chicago. Because the thing about it is that, Nick Foles has been worse when he's holding the ball longer. The longer he holds the ball, the worse he's been. His completion rating has dropped from 72% to 50% when he holds the ball for more than 2.5 seconds. Um, The interceptions go up. Obviously, of course, the sacks go up. All that tells me is that the Saints would struggle against Nick Foles, though, because Nick Foles should be able to get the ball out quickly because they don't have the coverage to take him deep into the snap clock. So that means that the pass rush has to be able to come alive and really create opportunities for Nick Foles potentially make mistakes or whomever it is under the the center. I don't want to be presumptive, of course. I know that sometimes these things can change when you have a midseason quarterback. You could go back to the original quarterback, things like that. So let me not be presumptuous, but whoever it is that's throwing the ball for Chicago, the Saints are going to have to be able to get at him and make him uncomfortable. You know, Ross, I've never felt as many emotions as I just did as you're going through your answer. You know, you're talking about the offensive line and the struggles we have, and I know them all too well. And then you talk mm-hmm. about, well, you know, maybe Nick Foles can excel. And then he had to bring in, well, maybe would it be Nick? And then I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just felt everything. <laughs> sorry. Well, no, so it's okay. Sorry. I was trying to figure out how do I want to take your answer and move it to my next talking point. And then I just mm-hmm. – I had to take a pause because I felt right. literally every emotion that I have all season <laughs> all in about two minutes there. So kudos. I mean, that's really impressive. Is there anything else about this defense we should know about? I mean, I have questions about – uh, the struggles with taking the ball away, but I think it's just a combination of the lack of a pass rush, uh, secondary that's not doing well in coverage. I think those are pretty obvious things to point out. But is there anything else? Is there is there a strength of this defense we should know about? I think the biggest strength has to be the defensive line just because of how well they play in the run game as well. And ideally, you'll see them take a step up for the Saints, for the Saints sake at least, take a step up in the passing game. Uh, one of the places that I'm going to be really interested in watching because of how quickly Nick Foles likes to get the ball out, and I think we could say that for every NFL quarterback at this point in today's game, they want to get the ball out quickly, is the Saints' second-level play. Alex Anzalone has been pretty inconsistent in coverage. Demario Davis has been good, but he has not been great so far this season. Uh, he's been awesome in run support, for sure. But in coverage, it's, it's kind of dilly dallied here and there and so i think that a a big thing is going to be if the saints have to commit any of those second level players to get pressure 
on Chicago. How then can Chicago take advantage of the quick strike offense and, and take advantage of quick throws over the middle? I think that's going to be a big part because if you vacate any zone or you vacate any area of the defense in the second level over the middle of the field, which is where every offense wants to attack so you can try to get pressure on the quarterback, that pressure has to get home. And just like the Saints have struggled creating turnovers this season, they've also struggled closing out pressure and turning those pressures into you know those hurries into hits or those hits in the sacks. Ross, is there a lesser-known player, smaller name that maybe we haven't discussed yet that you think Bears fans should be paying attention to this week? Yeah, I, I'll go back to Marquez Calloway. I know I kind of already talked about him, so I apologize for rehashing an answer in a way. But he really has been you know, the big, the big uh, sort of storyline so far in New Orleans, particularly over these last couple of games where the Saints have had to find a way to work without now Emmanuel Sanders most recently, as well as uh, Michael Thomas over the last five. And so he's somebody to really keep an eye out on. Uh, when the... When uh, the Saints played the Chargers, I'm trying to see if I can remember these numbers correctly. When the Saints played the Chargers, they had Emmanuel Sanders off the field for 31 snaps. And on most of those snaps, Mar- Mar- uh, Marquez Calloway and Traquan Smith were the guys that were there. Marquez Calloway got the more uh, more attention in terms of the passing game, in terms of targets. They ran the ball evenly during that 16 runs, 15 passes over those 31 plays. But you saw heavy personnel. And even in moments where they loaded up and they had 22 personnel out there, two running backs and two tight ends, Marquez Callaway was the lone wide receiver. So they really developed a lot of trust with him. So he would definitely be the one to watch. And particularly against a guy like I, I imagine he'd probably draw at least some attention from uh, the young rookie uh, Jalen Johnson, who I'm so excited about and that I've loved watching so far. I, I followed him big time at Utah as well and loved that he got drafted to a great defense in Chicago. And so I'm really looking forward to to that matchup. And even if he ends up against Fuller, I think that's also a really intriguing matchup as well. So that's the one I would watch out for is Marquez Calloway. He'll be number 12 with the dreads. Very hard to miss. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, is there anything else, offense, defense, special teams, that maybe I didn't ask you about or Nick didn't ask you about that our benefit, our listeners would benefit from learning more about? Um, I'll, I'll speak very quickly to special teams, actually, especially after watching Monday's game. Uh, Hecker had a fantastic game. You'd say he had a heck of a game. I'm so sorry. I had to do it. Uh, but, you know, Hecker had a great game. And I think that you would see, you know, the the idea of hidden yardage for the Saints is something that's huge for them in the special teams game. How many yards can they gain in the return game versus how many yards can they avoid in the return game and so i think that those types of situations sean Payton always talks about if you can start another team within their own 10 or within their own five they only have about a 10 to 15 percent chance of scoring and it also gives you the opportunity to where if you can keep them pinned back there within their own 30 you have a much better chance of a greater starting position for your offense coming back so i would say keep an eye out on special teams being a key playing a key role in this game whether it's because you know Cordero Patterson has a fantastic return or Deontay Harris has a fantastic return. This should be a ton of fun to watch from the returns aspect of the game, but also from the coverage aspect. And don't forget, uh, I'm sure you watched the game last night. You found out that without Tariq Cohen, the bears do not have a punt return game. Uh, you That's can, true, right? you punt yeah, it to uh, Ted again, Jr. And he'll let it hit the ground wherever the ball will lie. It'll lie. So if you want to talk about pinning the bears deep, uh, your punter has a good opportunity uh, to do so uh, come Sunday yeah. for you. So unfortunate for us, fortunate for you. And I think, Nick, we felt that last night, uh, pitting this offense deep, just how much it can hinder their chances of, again, they need every break in the book in order to get points on the board. So uh, that's a really good point about some of that hidden yardage there, Ross. I just have one more question for you. Yeah, it's please. a two-parter. It's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode. Uh, the first okay. part is, why do you believe – the Saints win on Sunday. 
Uh, I think that if the Saints win, I believe that they'll do so based on the merit of their offense. They've played a really good ball control style so far over these last few games, really focusing on winning the clock and winning time of possession and dominating in the ground game. Uh, The offensive line has been really, really fantastic, particularly in the zone run game, which is something that Sean Payton has been trying to get going for the last couple of years. And now they finally have the athleticism to do it, even with Teron Armstead out. So I think that that would be a big part of them being able to, to control the offense, control the game clock, so that even if the defense is struggling, if they can keep that defense off the field and then put together more of these long drives, the Saints only possessed the ball in six meaningful drives in the last game because all of them were over eight plays. Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. They had several that were 13, 14 uh, plays as well. So I think that that would be a big part of it is, is ball control in their end. And then real quickly, the inverse, uh, what's going to take for a Saints mm-hmm. loss and a Bears victory? So explosive plays is something that the Saints have had a really hard time limiting. I know that uh, Chicago just had their first 40 <laughs> plus yard play of the season. Uh, but, you know, as a, as a cynical fan, just as much as I am a sensible analyst, uh, that tells me, ah, okay, well, that means that they're going to come in and have like six against the Saints. You know what I mean? But the Saints so far, uh, they've only allowed 17 plays in the passing game over 20 yards. That's only the third lowest, that's actually the third lowest total in the NFL. But when you look at 40 plus plays, they've allowed six, which is the second highest. So it's going to be the explosive plays, blown coverages. Uh, I don't even want to call it communication because it's really just been about the secondary making the incorrect decision and making the wrong read and being caught looking elsewhere. Eye discipline has been a big issue. So I think that that's where I would point to is that even if the Saints do control the clock, if they can't keep that defense from making those big mistakes and all of a sudden Chicago is pulling off two or three of those, you know, five play uh, scoring drives, it wouldn't make a difference. All right. Hey, Ross, that was tremendous insight. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to hop on our show. Uh, I know it's really appreciated by myself, Nick, and I felt like I learned a lot, Nick. I'm sure you do too. And whenever I'm coming away feeling like this, I know our listeners themselves are appreciative of your time. So on behalf of them, thank you. If you want to follow Ross on Twitter, it is at Ross Jackson. At Nola, right? I didn't have it on my phone. Yeah, Ross Jackson Nola. I'm really, really annoying about where I'm from. I put it everywhere. So yeah, <laughs> at Ross Jackson Nola and there you go. And uh and I appreciate that guys. Like it's an honor to be here with you guys. So I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Yeah, we appreciate you. And uh, if you want to listen to Ross throughout the week as you're still staying uh getting yourself primed up for game day. Uh, if you're listening to us right now, whatever app that is, just look up Locked On Saints and uh, you'll find Ross and his stuff. So uh, really good stuff. Like I said, up next, up next, geez, Nick and I will be back with our weekly in-depth game preview episode. We'll take a deep dive into all the key stats, matchups, X-Factors, and more, including our weekly predictions. Make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word of our show. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. How 
personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.